It dissolves in front of that cell phone. It's time for Sequel Decay, the only movie review podcast to ever exist on this here planet Earth. Starring the internet opinion havers extraordinaire, Stefan Salahio, Brandon Pollock, and Chris Rather. Listen as the try-hard trio and their merry band of friends struggle to get through the day one franchise at a time. Welcome to Sequel Decay, I'm Chris. And I'm still Stefan, and I'm dying. <laughs> now that we're finally done talking about last Christmas, mm-hmm. Stefan, I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. I know, I think... Charity. Why the fuck would you give it to charity? I don't know, I figured they could, like, use it, like, at the very least for food. My dude, it was Meals on Wheels, so, like, I don't know why they would do that, but... <laughs> Just you didn't hear the a ninety-year-old sit- shut in, like uh, receiving just like a slightly frozen, barely pumping heart at their doorstep. You didn't hear they like just mix- I can make gruel out of this. Didn't didn't you hear that they like mix organs into their chef boyardee? That's how they make the ravioli, dude. What surprised me actually. <laughs> Apologies to you, Meals on Wheels audiences. <laughs> Someone from Meals on Wheels is listening to this. Like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> I hope not. I hope they don't take anything we say seriously, honestly. <laughs> like, this is the last place you should go if you want serious takes about well, anything. If, but... you, if you want serious takes on anything, we strongly recommend Chavo Trap House. Oh yes, the, the most serious. <laughs> <laughs> but... Shout out to Issa Lopez for liking our tweets. I hope you're listening to our show now. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, We're big fans. It... We liked your movie. Um, Go, go on sequel to K. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> She would never fucking dare. Absolutely fucking not. She's got better things to do, like make movies with Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, is that what's happening? Yeah. Oh, I think it's sick. a werewolf movie or something. Awesome. I, I can't fucking wait. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, what are we talking about today? We're talking about The Shining. Make a sex this noise. Is this is fucking like screaming noises in the background in in the in the opening. There's like weird like kind of almost like whales oh, in the yeah, background. Anyway, um, speaking of whales, Stefan, why don't you tell us a little bit? Go about... fuck yourself, Chris. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> I have to wait here 35 minutes while you talk about fucking last Christmas, and you open with that. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Can't work under these circumstances. <laughs> Stefan, since you keep accusing me of not giving you the good one, mm-hmm. tell us about The Shining. So The Shining is a 1980 80 film directed by Stanley Kubrick and based on of the 1977 novel from Stephen King. And it centers around Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, a struggling writer and former school teacher who takes the job as the winter caretaker of the Overlook Hotel in Colorado, which is this enormous, very isolated, very luxurious hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and he brings his family, Wendy, played by uh, Shelley Duvall, and their son, Danny, played by... What's 
the kid's name. Danny Lloyd. Danny Lloyd. To, and he takes them to live with him in the hotel. And when they go there, things start happening. And slowly Jack becomes more and more unhinged. And, well, I mean, if, if, you, if, you're, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know how it ends. <laughs> like, I, you at I least think, know how the last, like, 40 minutes goes. Yeah, you know that it ends with... Jack Nicholson pursuing his family around the Overlook with an axe. If you've seen an, if you've seen Treehouse of Horror five, <laughs> you know how it ends. You know the general outline. You know the general outline of The Shining. Yep. Um, I think okay. So I don't remember if I saw the Simpsons parody first or this. I definitely saw the Simpsons parody first. I'm honestly not sure because um I saw this movie when I was nine. Mm-hmm. My parents had it taped with, like, because they had a bunch of movies taped from, like, back in the 80s and 90s and shit. Mm-hmm. And one of them was The Shining. Yeah. And literally the only thing that was censored was the bathroom scene. If you're nine years old and you're listening to the show. <laughs> maybe maybe hold off a bit before watching The Shining. Go watch The Shining. No, hold off a bit. Go watch it. Go hold fine. off a bit. I was, uh, I, I actually saw it for the first time this year. Really? I was 22. <laughs> I still am I 22, was, but I was 22. I was as well. today years old. <laughs> I'm surprised it don't. I'm surprised it was this year. Yeah, I I hadn't seen it before because remember I don't really wa- didn't really watch horror. Was it me before. that pushed you into it? I I don't remember honestly. Like I know I know you mentioned really liking it, but like honestly, well, like it's my favorite horror movie. I know, and like at this point, I think my aversion to horror is more an aversion to jump scares and slashers. Yeah, no, and, and that's what I've been telling you this whole time. Like, for the record, Stefan and I have had long debates outside of this. Mm-hmm. Where I try to explain to him, like, you don't hate horror movies, you just don't like slashers mm-hmm. and jump scares. And fair enough. I think jump scares can be really effective if used properly. For example, yeah. Tuesday! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's like pretty much no jump scares in The Shining. Except for Tuesday and Saturday. Except for these like, very like, this... These, like, tense, like, uncomfortable build-ups of these, like, very, like, statin, like, normal scenes. Yeah. That just, like, have this cacophonous music behind them until it culminates in this, like, jump scare of just the title card reading a day. (laughs) And it only happens twice. It It almost... Tuesday and then Saturday. It almost feels like a preemptive mockery of the prevalence of jump scares today. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Anyway, I saw this when I was 22. Why the fuck do I keep saying that? I'm still 22. <laughs> but uh, I don't know about you. I saw it earlier this year, and I've seen it five times since. It's wow. definitely the movie I've seen most in the last year. Uh, and it's yeah. probably one of my favorite movies of all time at this point. It's... Okay, so it's my favorite horror movie of all time. Same. Like, undoubtedly. Like, this is... And you even saying that proves that, like, I could show you anything at this point and you'd probably like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, just keep on sucking your own dick, buddy. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if this is my favorite Kubrick movie. Um, it's either this or A Clockwork Orange. It usually kind of alternates for me. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, I don't make up my own fucking mind. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, like, undoubtedly, this is my favorite horror movie of all time. I love this movie to no end. I have multiple copies of it i got Mm. rid of my dvd a long time ago i have the blu-ray that's part of like an old stanley kubrick collection that's out of print now Mm. and i've got the 4k blu-ray yeah so like it's one of those i own a lot of copies of Mm -hmm. but goddamn, i love every second of the shining and i'm just i'm such a huge fan of it um 
I'm also the resident Stephen King expert of the group. You are. So I've read the book. Of course you have. I've started the book. I've not finished it. I'm very far from finishing it. See, my, my mom got me into watching The Shining. Mm-hmm. And my dad got me into reading the book. Yeah. Because um, my dad's a huge Stephen King fan as well. And so he convinced me to read the book. And I read the book. And I actually really like it. It's a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a read. It's a, it's a slow read, mm-hmm. mind you. But it's a hell of a read. And it really delves into the character's psyches a lot more yeah. in certain places. Um, mind you, The Shining The Shining movie is very, very psychological, but like... Yeah, it delves... that's, a, that's a distinction I want to talk about later, but keep yes. going. But I think that, you know, we learn more about the characters through the book. Mm-hmm. But we can talk more about that later. Um, for those of you that don't know... Um, because I think we should probably get this out of the way first about yeah. King and Kubrick. Yeah. Um, okay, so for those of you that don't know, you've been living under a rock for the last 40 fucking years. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, welcome back. Um, we're yeah. fucked, as you can tell. Yeah, just, just let, hear us out for a bit and then you can return to the nice cold soil. Yes. Um, Donald Trump is the president. Go back to the soil. Back to the soil. Back to the soil. Back to the soil. Anyway, keep talking. <laughs> um... <laughs> fucking hurt <laughs> just gravely injured my leg doing that we're keeping that in yeah we are um anyway so stanley kubrick's movie and stephen king's book are two completely different beasts yes um it, they're, they're the same in that they have the same general outline of events the same very general outline of events and the same characters yeah but like the way that the it's they're different thematically on one hand they're different thematically kind of yeah. um but i think they're more different in terms of tone and in terms of like where the horror stems from yeah one of like those are the big big things kubrick's movie is very psychological as i mentioned earlier yeah and king's book is supernatural it's i would characterize the Kubrick film as a psychological horror movie with some supernatural elements with some supernatural and surreal yeah because that's the thing is like you can actually you can actually debate whether or not what they're experiencing is supernatural yeah for that's the thing with the movie is like you don't know for sure if it's just Jack making shit up in his head or if these are actually ghosts yeah like has the cabin fever really set in that badly Mm -hmm. becomes a huge question in the movie yeah, the, and it will not provide an answer for you. And it will not provide an answer for you. In the book, it's it's ghosts. Yeah, it's very it's very explicitly ghosts. Yeah. Um, um, I'd also, well, I guess thematically you're not wrong, especially with the characterization of Jack. Yeah. Because in the book, Jack is more of a, uh, like he's an incredibly flawed human being, but he kind of redeems himself at the end. Mm-hmm. Like when, when Stephen King was like critiquing the movie, he called it like a heartless movie. Not untrue, uh, and a movie that was intentionally designed to hurt people. I think he's pretty close with that, actually, because, like, this movie is designed to be as upsetting as possible, (laughs) I feel. It's got, it's, like, pervades isolation with, like, these wide, empty shots of the Overlook. Like, it's not a very hospitable-looking building, really, Mm -hmm. especially at at this point. Like, a lot of the film is shot with an 18mm lens, so that all the actors' features look kind of distorted. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and there is, like... 
as uh, when it comes to the characters themselves, like there's no redemption for Jack at the end. Jack just kind of no. degrades into being a monster. Whereas at the end of the book, it does feel like there's a little bit of redemption for Jack. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. Yeah. Ultimately, what I think the book is about is is it's about how alcoholism is a uh, is kind of a disease that really just possesses you. Yeah. Whereas the movie is more about one the making of a monster and two just the cycles of abuse and how you know once an abuser always an abuser yeah at least that's what i got from the movie i got i definitely got some angles about abuse because like stripped down to its bare elements the shining is a movie about a man using violence against his family yeah um and and knowing like literally no other way apparently yeah um and i forget what it is but there's a book that has like conversations with stephen king where he talks about the shining mm-hmm. and he talks about how um uh part of his inspiration for writing it was born out of his like this feeling after his after his sons were born like these feelings of like real antagonism towards them like why won't you go to sleep why won't you go to bed would you please shut the fuck up uh and go the fuck to sleep and like where he could like he found himself scaring himself by feeling like how close he was to like actually hurting them i'm paraphrasing them like i don't like i don't think stephen king actually ever hurt his kids no obviously but um i that's it's more about those antagonistic feelings and obviously stephen king is known for like a lot of self-insert characters that's why so much of his fucking protagonists are also writers Mm -hmm. Uh, so Jack is kind of, we, if you interpret Jack as sort of like a self, a darker Stephen King self-insert, yeah. then when you see the Jack in the movie and Stephen King sees his beloved self-insert anti-villain transformed into this like grotesque, like irredeemable monster, of course he's not going to be a huge fan of that. <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, I... I don't, I don't, I don't, th- I, he's, he's, he's right to dislike the movie. He, he has every, he has every right to dislike the movie. I, I think at this right, at this point, I think it's time for him to let it go. Yeah. And he mostly has at this point, it yeah, feels. Kind of. Like, I saw. I think he's still holding on to a lot of the. I don't think he likes it. <laughs> but I. No, th- I, I, I still don't think he likes it, but I don't think he's really. Because what, from what I read about Doctor Sleep, and we're kind of fast forwarding a little bit here, mm-hmm. it actually took Mike Flanagan quite a bit of time for to convince Stephen King, like, I want to use stuff from the Kubrick movie in mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. Because he said the only way he was going to do Doctor Sleep was with Stephen King's blessing, mm-hmm. and he said it took him a while to convince King to be like, look, Kubrick's movie exists. Mm-hmm. Kubrick's movie's the one that's better known. Yeah. We got to address that the Kubrick movie happened in this film's universe. Yeah. And. Initially, Stephen King didn't even want that, so I think Stephen King's still holding on to something. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's completely accepted it yet. And look, again, fair enough. Yeah, you know, like you said, that he has every right to not like it. And if what you're saying is true, and it probably is, mm-hmm. then you know he has every right to in that context. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know, especially when you are that attached to your characters, and like you said, a lot of them are self-inserts for them. Yeah, when you get attached to your characters like that, of course you're going to be really upset when things don't turn out the way you wanted them to. Yeah. But with that said, yeah, it's a bad adaptation of Stephen King's book. It's an incredible it's motion picture. It's an incredible picture. movie. Oh, that thing about me saying that, like, it's constructed to upset you, like, I mean that as a compliment. It's it's not a very, like, quote-unquote scary movie. Like, nothing... It scares the ever-loving shit out of me. It just it's does it in a really unorthodox way. It's, it's more like it... It's like staring at an abyss for two and a half hours and feeling it seep into yeah. you. Yeah, like this movie... Okay, so there's a very small handful of movies that actually scare the ever-loving shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can 
count them on one hand. Mm-hmm. There's this, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 28 Days Later, yeah, fucking Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Hereditary kind of freaks me the fuck out. Yeah. Like, Hereditary is probably the scariest movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Those are the ones that freak me out, and The Shining is probably the scariest one of them all for me. The Shining, yeah, The Shining is not scary in the same way that... Paranormal oh, Activity is Paranormal scary. Activity is scary, in which case it's a fight or flight. Like, like we mentioned, there's no jump scares, basically, at all, except from the title cards, which is fucking weird to think about. You know what? I... Whenever it comes up now, I can't stop thinking about the Simpsons parody. What The Shining does, it, like, it just, like, keeps building this mounting horror. Mm-hmm. Like, even from the very beginning where it's just this scenic, beautiful shots of what I guess is supposed to be Colorado, but I don't know where they filmed it. I don't uh, know where they filmed it either. Uh, but there's this music that plays in the background, and it's what we did earlier, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, but it's just this mount. That's, like, the closest this movie even comes to music. <laughs> Like, because after that, like, when the soundtrack comes in, it almost feels like a cacophony of noise. It feels like, it feels very Lynchian. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. uh, the, and even the opening, like, is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this steady beat, and you can hear, like, almost, like, wailing in the background. Yes. After that, like, it's no, like, there's times where it just, it literally sounds like somebody's banging pots and pans around. Mm-hmm. Like, not even in any discernible rhythm. No. And there's actually a point where, uh, where Jack and Wendy are arguing in the, in the room and Danny's like in the back, in his bed, like eyes wide open trying to use, trying to shine to contact Dick Halloran. Mm-hmm. And like, you can actually hear a heartbeat mm-hmm. <laughs> in, 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 mixed in with the music. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, that's just the musical aspect, but even the visuals, like what they choose what they choose to focus on with in terms of isolation, in terms of the character's facial features, in terms of the character's, like, delivery. Actually, there's a scene that nobody ever talks about that I, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which is actually where Jack is driving Wendy and Danny up the mountain. Yes. And they, they have this normal-ass conversation where, like, Danny wants to get food and Jack's saying, well, you should have had your breakfast before you come, came here. And then it, turns into a conversation about cannibalism <laughs> and yep. it's it, it's this weird deviation where like wendy brings up the donner party and then they get like in depth about what the donner party was and then about cannibalism cannibalism and jack getting mad like seethingly angry at wendy <laughs> like and the delivery is such that there's like there's just this uncomfortable tension already like you already know this is not a happy family mm-hmm. and it 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 go- the first time I saw it, like, it, like, ripped at my core when I saw it. And they hadn't even gotten to the hotel yet. Mm-hmm. My favorite scene in the whole movie, probably the scene where Jack Nicholson is yelling at Wendy. Well, Jack's yelling at Wendy over um, over him breaking his concentration. Yeah. Oh, that's one of or the best over scenes. Over her yeah. breaking his concentration. Yeah. Like, Why but... don't you start right now and get the fuck out? <laughs> that reminds me. So while I'm here, because I want to bring up... I, I don't like usually bringing up performances all the time when we're talking about movies like this. Yeah. Because yeah. we are going very in-depth about this. Mm. Um, Jack Nicholson, this is probably my favorite Jack Nicholson performance probably. of all time. Probably. If not this, then maybe One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Chinatown. Yeah. But this movie, like watching this again for a sequel to KM, well, watching any Jack Nicholson movie really mm. makes me miss Jack Nicholson so fucking much. Yeah. Because he hasn't made a movie in like nine fucking years. I think he's retired at this point. I think he's retired and I want him back. Yeah. America, 
Give us another Jack Nicholson movie. I want to see 90-year-old Jack Nicholson propped up on that screen. I want... With like... I just want one more. I just honestly. want I just want him weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> no, but no, but honestly, I, I, I at least want one more. Mm. I want to be because like by the time Jack Nicholson retired, it's like I was twelve or thirteen, and I'm not gonna go see How Do You Know in a theater. Yeah, like I couldn't go see The Departed in a theater. Mm. But it's like I just want to be able to go see one Jack Nicholson movie in a theater, mm. and just I just want to see one more Jack Nicholson performance at least. Mm. That man's a fucking hero. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest actors. One of the greatest ever, actors who ever. ever lived. Yeah, like I fucking love Jack Nicholson's performance in here is incredible. But mm. I just want one more Jack Nicholson movie. One more, mm. please, Jack. I know you were attached to that Tony Erdman remake. Please, please make another movie. <laughs> He's um, actually my dad's favorite actor. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Oh excellent. It, that's why we I watched uh, the original Tim Burton Batman so much. When oh, I was a kid. it's such a good movie. Yeah, He's so good in that. Yeah. Um. And I want to talk about Shelley Duvall. She's really good. She's incredible. She's so good. And this is why the fucking Razzies are such a joke. Because they nominated not only Kubrick for Worst Director, but, like, her for Worst Actress. Yeah. And a lot of the complaints at the time, because this movie was not well received when it first no, came out. No, it wasn't. It has, like, a 66 on Metacritic, which kind of actually reflects, like, how people felt mm. back then. And a lot of the criticism is aimed at, like, Nicholson and Shelley Duvall for being, like, cartoonish or overacting. Well, but Jack Nicholson's I, very over the top. I think, if anything, Shelley Duvall... I don't want to say she's overacting. But she is definitely kind of unhinged. She's definitely unhinged towards the end. I, I think what I really like about her performance in the beginning of the movie is how subtle it is. Mm -hmm. She clearly loves... Because Wendy clearly loves Jack. Yeah. Still, to an extent. But she's still, like, so fucking scared of him for some reason. Yeah. Like, they reveal the reason... Like, the reason's the same in the book as it is in the movie that, like... Jack, or that um, Danny ruined some of Jack's papers, and Jack yanked his arm. Yeah, and that, in the book, I think it broke his arm, but in the movie, it dislocated his shoulder. Yeah, in the movie, he dislocated his shoulder. In the book, he broke his arm. Mm -hmm. He also, if I remember correctly in the book, he also beat the shit out of a couple kids, right? Like, what? I think they... <laughs> I am pretty sure there's a thing in the book where Jack, like beat the fuck out of a kid or something for fucking up his car or whatever. Wow. The book's first chapter, like, the job interview in the book is incredible. Yeah, in the book, it's incredibly hostile. Like, it's incredibly hostile, and you don't get any of that from the movie, I don't think. In that sense, it kind of works... Like, I haven't finished the book, but it works pretty well in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it... Like, it works really well in the movie the way it is. And I think you get bits of it, but I don't think you get the full picture unless you read the book. Yeah. Um, Another... Another, like, thing I really like is, like, how, like, it uses, like, other characters' facial expressions to hint that something, like, very strange is happening. Like, in the in the interview, I don't know if you've noticed, like, they have uh, Allman behind the desk, Jack sitting on one side of the room, and Bill Nelson on the other side of the room. Yeah. And, like, they're talking to each other, and I think Allman's telling the story of uh, what happened before with the Grady's. Yeah. And, like, it cuts to Bill Nelson, and he's just giving this, like, despondent look to Jack. Like, it kind of almost looks, like, neutral, but it looks like there's kind of something off about it, too. And it, it's kind of... Un it, it, I, I think about it a lot, <laughs> really. Like, it, it, and um, there's also a look later when uh, the, the doctor is talking to Wendy mm -hmm. after she visits Danny. And, like, Wendy is telling the story about how Jack hurt Danny. 
and like her she gives like a look that's like almost like kind of like stunned <laughs> like they the like even if the characters aren't like overtly the main characters aren't overtly telling you to be disturbed yeah. like it's it's the environment that's doing that for you mm-hmm. also in that same scene like you can tell that when he's like hand is shaking when she's lighting her cigarette yeah i don't know if you've ever noticed that but like she's clearly like a very like nervous traumatized person <laughs> oh wendy yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah for sure that definitely comes. Shelly Duvall is so fucking. She's good. so fucking good in it. Golden like, raspberries can suck my ass, dude. I mean, the Razzies mean nothing, and the Oscars mean nothing too. Yeah. Remember, the... kids, award ceremonies are worthless and stupid. Anyway, come check out in January our year of the our end of the year awards. <laughs> we're giving out awards now. Are we? I don't know. I didn't think we. I were. think we're, do- we're doing like a. Well, whatever. We're um, doing a fun well, show. Yeah, we're doing a. Fu- we're, it'll be fun. You'll but be anyway, fun. such a good fucking. Such a good fucking. It is. <laughs> you no. cannot fuck to The Shining. <laughs> you cannot fuck Hold to on. The Shining. Hold on, let's see here. Thrust, thrust, thrust. No, even thrust. that sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, my I, my dad actually really likes The Shining. I mean, if he's a big Jack Nicholson fan, then of he is. Yeah. yeah, of course he is. Uh, but he also hates horror. Oh, okay. He hates horror movies. Like, uh, I remember I tried to watch the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie with him when I was younger. And I don't really like that movie, but uh, he hated it. He thought, he said, this is trash. This is meaningless. This is garbage. And we and we turned it off. I finished it later, and I wasn't a huge fan, but I didn't feel as strongly as him. No. Um, and then I took him to Shining. He was like, oh, this is fucking incredible. <laughs> and uh, he actually, like took a lot from it because he and he and i are both writers right mm-hmm. and uh he kind of interpreted a lot of jack's jack's uh our, our thing of being like a, a kind of like an exaggerated version of what it feels like to a writer when his routine is broken <laughs> like i mean that's very clear in some scenes yeah but it's also the fact that jack is fucking nuts <laughs> yeah so in that sense it's like the it's it's an exaggerated depiction of the struggles of a writer I guess. Very romantic when I put it that way. Yeah, it's very romanticized when you put it that way. Yeah, but um, I think uh, if you, aside from the abuse angle and the writer's angle, like the, the theme of the movie can basically be extrapolated from when Dick Halloran is talking to Danny, like mm-hmm. in the kitchen, yeah. where he's like, some places are like people. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, you hear that all the time, like where you go to like an old house and you say, oh, this place is a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, or this this place is sterile and kind of shitty and there's nothing going on here. This place has no personality. Uh, and, or, like, a place has a character... You, you hear it all the time, like, a place has a character to it. Yeah. And when you think about it, this is just an extension of that. Yeah. Like, because it, it, there's no, like, direct, hostile, antagonistic, physical threat to the Torrances. For all we know, they're making this up. But it almost feels like it's the hotel itself that is, like, eating away at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like... Well, and that I, idea of cabin fever. And the idea of cabin fever. So it's either cabin fever itself, or the if hotel. you... The hotel itself. It's one which, or the other. And so it's either... And, um... I'm not the first person to bring this up, but it does feel that way. Uh, it... It's almost like the hotel is this malevolent entity trying to suck people in. Mm-hmm. And, like, all the various, like... Figures that appear like Lloyd the Bartender or Delbert Grady, like they're just tendrils of the hotel trying to coax the characters into doing awful things. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like the hotel is one like Lovecraftian abomination. <laughs> yes. And that's such an interesting concept mm-hmm. to me. What, and I guess that's basically the whole concept of The Shining 
when it comes to inanimate objects is like some some places shine <laughs> just like people some don't and it's like the it's like if you burn a to- burn a to- burn a piece of toast like you might clear out the smell but some people might be able to smell it it the, the especially sorry i don't mean to drag this too long but like it's the overlook all obviously has a history behind it and it's going to carry all those events with it as it progresses through time like it's going to yeah. carry the massacres of the indigenous people it's going to carry uh all the awful shit that's happened at, at, within it as a hotel mm-hmm. and and in, in that sense i kind of get where the people who say that it's like an allegory for the genocide of the native americans are coming from <laughs> but i definitely want to talk about how the history of the overlook and the history of jack seem to kind of parallel yeah how they both have these like very vicious and violent histories behind them uh-huh and how they just kind of come to a head yeah, <laughs> in this yeah. movie. Uh-huh. And it's it's kind of interesting to watch, like, because the Overlook is in, in its own way a character. Mm. And watching the, and watching, like, you know, and Jack's kind of got a lot of the same, uh, or at least a very similar history as the Overlook does. Like, this history of, like, violence, abuse, mm. torment, fear. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about one person being Jack trying to overcome all that. And the Overlook just bringing him back into it. Yeah. And it's just kind of sick and horrifying. Oh. But I really like that, actually, how the Overlook and Jack just kind of parallel each other and just kind of complement each other. Yeah. It makes complete sense that Jack would turn into a complete fucking rage monster. Uh-huh. Um, but we yeah. go aggro mode, as the gamers say. Oh, actually, there was one more thing I wanted to bring up before we go into recommendations. Okay. Uh, the David Lynch connection. Hi, everyone. Oh, God. Damn it. <laughs> so... Obviously, um, David Lynch influenced The Shining to an extent. Okay. Um, because uh, Kubrick apparently watched Eraserhead and actually modeled um, a bit of The Shining off of Eraserhead. Oh, wow. Which is actually kind of visible. Mm-hmm. Again, like especially in the sound design mm-hmm. and some of the editing. Yeah. It definitely gives me a David Lynch vibe. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that I would later go on to love David Lynch as much as I do after loving The Shining so much. Mm. But I think what's also really interesting is that both are movies about patriarchal figures who are <laughs> resentful towards their family. Yeah. And I think that that was something that clearly Kubrick modeled off of as well was that. Mm-hmm. And you haven't seen Eraserhead yet, Not have yet. you? No, it's, it's terrific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll love it. And I think actually, to be completely honest with you, if you were to watch The Shining with Eraserhead, you'd actually have a hell of a double feature on you. Mm. It's a long, long double feature, mind you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think it would actually be really interesting. Cool. There's also a uh, alternate cut of this movie in Europe mm-hmm. that's 20 minutes shorter. Really? Yeah. I think it's. I think Kubrick cut it down by 20 minutes because he felt the movie was too long or some shit like that. I don't remember. I mean, there are, like, some scenes that I feel probably could be cut out. There's n- Honestly, there's nothing I'd actually cut. I don't, I don't know that I'd cut it out, but if you, like, Put, put at gunpoint you told me you have to trim this movie down i think there are like a couple scenes like especially with dick like near the mm-hmm. middle of the movie that like kind of feel extraneous i guess uh, but i think the movies i think the movies two and a half hour length kind of helps you get more into that void yeah definitely and i i can't see this movie being shorter than it is i yeah. really can't i don't i wouldn't want to do that no Let's be very clear but uh yeah like i think like i I have never seen the two-hour cut. I don't know if I ever want to. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's better or worse. But you know, as it stands right now, like the two and a half-hour American cut's like phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so recommendations. 
yeah, I highly recommend The Shining. It's uh, one of the one of my favorite movies. It's the the center the uh, shining example of psychological horror. They, <laughs> hey, I did that on purpose. No, I didn't. I I'm, I'm an idiot. Kiss me, you beautiful man. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, like the even. Even there's there's no other psychological horror really like it even mm-hmm. like it, it's completely unique in that regard. Uh, that uh, Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson are fucking incredible. Uh, it's it's one of the in terms of atmosphere, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh my god, absolutely. Um, the people who uh, hated it when it first came out don't know what the fuck they're talking about, and mm. um, yeah, fuck the Razzies. Yeah, and fuck the Razzies. Um. The Shining is in my top five of all time, so clearly I don't recommend it. <laughs> I guess before we get into Doctor Sleep, we could me- oh, we could also mention that like there is like a version of The Shining that is more faithful to the book. Uh, directed by Mick Garris and uh, with the script written by Stephen King, it's a four and a half hour miniseries. Mm-hmm. And it's bad. <laughs> and I've only ever seen it once, and I didn't care for it. I think mm-hmm. my mom didn't like it either, because I remembered watching it with her. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her being a fan of it. Mm. Anyway, and that brings us to Doctor Sleep. Sleep. The uh, finest book of them all. Mm. Or film, sorry. Um, uh, I guess I'll take Doctor Sleep. Go for it. Okay, so Doctor Sleep came out this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was directed by, written and directed, sorry, by Mike Flanagan, who also directed... Another Stephen King adaptation I really like called Gerald's Game. Mm. And he also directed Hush, Oculus, um, Ouija Origin of Evil, which is actually pretty good. Mm. Among other things. And it's based on the 2013 novel Doctor Sleep by Stephen King. Mm -hmm. It follows adult Danny Torrance, played by Ewan McGregor, Mm -hmm. who's kind of become an alcoholic since the events of The Shining. And he's he's very traumatized. Uh Uh-huh. And he moves to this small town, and yeah, he decides to join an AA group. Later on, as he stays in this small town, he meets a 13-year-old girl named Abra, Uh who's played by... Kylie Curran. She's great in it, actually. She's really good, yeah. And so he befriends... He befriends Abra, and they learn about Rose the Hat. (laughs) Yeah. Who's Rebecca Ferguson? Who's Rebecca Ferguson? But I, Rose, that yeah, it's that's very strange. And her funny group of vaping vampires, mm-hmm. who are sucking the shine out of gifted people, specifically children. They just go out and try to stop her. Yeah, essentially. Um, that's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. While you know, Danny kind of deals with his own shit. Mm. Um, we actually haven't really talked about this movie yet amongst ourselves yet. No, not all. really. Like, um, you talked to me a bit when you saw it, but you couldn't talk about it much because I hadn't seen it yet. I yeah. Only, I only saw it last night. What'd you think? I liked it. A lot, uh, actually. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, like, it's actually really good. Like, I don't think it's perfect. I think, like, especially, like, the first, like, bit or so, like, up until he gets to the small town and, like, becomes the orderly and becomes Dr. Sleep, mm. uh, like, it, it, like, it kind of drags a little bit. Um, yeah, this movie's long. It's two and a half hours. It's two and a half hours, and it feels like it could be cut down by, I don't know how much exactly, but like especially in the beginning, it feels very front heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's a very different movie to The Shining. We'll get yeah. in, we'll get into it, but um, yeah. it's it's not the same at all. No, like if you're expecting something even on par with Kubrick's film, then you're an idiot. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not it was never going to be as good. It was but, never going to be as good quality wise, and it was never going to be as scary. Yeah, and and I'm okay with that. And I'm I'm glad they went a different route because mm-hmm. I don't think if, if they had tried to ape the same style with a different story. I don't think it would have worked because it's a, it's a very different story. Yeah. Um. But yeah, overall, I really liked it. I think Ewan McGregor's great in it, and I think for for like as silly a premise as the villains read as, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Rebecca Ferguson sells it. Oh yeah, no, Rebecca Ferguson like absolutely sold the whole vaping vampire thing. Yeah. Like, cause honestly, like, and I think it comes down to also the writing and the directing. Like Flanagan did a great job at this too. Yeah, I don't think Stephen King's that good a writer anymore. You know, when you start writing books about the terrors of living under a dome, you know, after the Simpsons movie comes out. The dome is society. When you're basically taking Simpsons movie plots and turning them into horror stories, you're kind of a hack. Mm-hmm. End of story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't read Doctor Sleep yet, and I'm kind of scared to. Like, I've read a little bit of it, and it's okay, but I'm getting worried that it's going to suck. And I actually heard how it ends. Which sounds awful. Which sounds awful fucking stupid we'll get into it when we talk about spoilers yeah but we'll go into that later but i really really liked the movie Mm. um it it felt a little weird coming out of it because yeah like it's really different from kubrick's movie but that's a good thing Mm. like i think they both play off of each other really well Mm. um this is i've been reading a lot of reviews that say like it, it marries kubrick and king together i don't think it does that at all i don't think it really does anything resembling kubrick except like borrow some very like clear visual elements that it basically yeah it's from it like literally the only thing it does with kubrick's thing or with kubrick's thing with kubrick's thing um (laughs) with kubrick's the only thing it really does with kubrick's movie is just provide fan service to it Mm. but i think that what if you watched both of these back to back you'd have a very different experience with either film Mm -hmm. and i think it would make for an interesting double feature yeah admittedly yeah like they're very different movies and i think it's more stephen king than it is stanley kubrick definitely because like i said the only real kubrickian elements are the moments when they are directly paying homage to the shining yeah that's it yeah um like uh, what? Well, this is definitely more of a supernatural horror, also than a psychological. Yes, horror. this is absolutely supernatural. And in fact, like if the perspective was changed, it would have like a lot of like you mentioned, it would have a lot of almost like touch on YA territory. Yeah, I actually mentioned that when we talked earlier. Is that the, there's points where this movie starts, or well, I, I'm assuming the book does the same thing. I'm sure the book's probably worse at it. Mm. Um where it starts to kind of feel like it's about to touch on YA territory. Mm-hmm. And it starts to kind of feel like a YA book, especially with the villains. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, um, we should probably throw up a spoiler warning right about now. Yeah, so we're going to go into spoilers right away. Um, um, so if you haven't seen Doctor Sleep yet and you don't want to be spoiled, go see it, come back. Mm-hmm. Um we recommend it overall. I recommend it too, although I will say, and I forgot to mention this about The Shining, but if you have a problem with, like, children in extreme extreme distress... Oh, both like, of these movies. Both of these movies are probably not gonna be for you. No, like... Yeah. 
there's one scene in particular in Doctor Sleep that really got to me. Yeah, it's it's very violent and visceral and yeah. extremely upsetting. Mm-hmm. And like The Shining is just an upsetting movie in general, but like also there's a small child in terror the whole time. Yeah. So like if both if that upsets you then don't watch either, but yeah. uh spoiler warning, you've been warned we're going into spoilers now. Yeah. Okay, so uh fuck it. <laughs> um that scene with Jacob Tremblay. Holy shit. Like, like that's the scariest scene in the entire movie. And it's the only scene that actually feels like it's come close to, like, the horrors of the Kubrick movie. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that I'm mad that the movie isn't scary. I, I honestly don't care. No, I don't um, mind either. If anything, it helps me. Because I, I don't like getting having my fight-or-flight response triggered. But Yeah, whereas, like, I mean, it would have been interesting to see them try to make this scary, but at the same time... I think it's smart that they didn't try to make the vaping vampire scary. Yeah, and like again, that's that reads a goofy concept, but like it it works pretty well. It works pretty well here because one, you've got Rebecca Ferguson who's selling it really well. You've got Mike Flanagan who wrote and directed it really well and gave it enough that it could work. Mm. But I think like the scariest moment involving them was when Jacob Tremblay gets killed. Yeah. And I think that is be- that is a huge testament to Trombley as an actor. Jacob Trombley is fucking He's incredible. In yeah. Please, let Jacob Trombley be in more horror movies. Yeah. Please. He's great. He's great at being absolutely terrified. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, just more Jacob Trombley in horror, please. Uh-huh. Um, but I'd kill to see him play, like, uh, Corey Feldman's character from Friday the 13th Part 4. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I'm not taking this fucking bait. I'm not doing it. I kind of... I like this society of, like, vape vampires, <laughs> I guess, who vape up The Shining. Uh, basically, what happens is that they find kids who have The Shining, mm-hmm. and they um, make... And they put them in stages of extreme pain and terror, mm-hmm. uh, which, which causes them... And then they exhale The Shining mm-hmm. as it comes out of their as they exhale it and that's basically what they subsist on there's they're they're they're, they're also they're not human <laughs> and they're pretty much immortal yeah but uh i like the little society that they've built because it like kind of hints at a world that obviously was not hinted at at all in the, in the shining no but it's it's constructing its own world that is it still sounds like a very interesting like mysterious it's it's good world building is yeah it's, it's got world, it's got good world building yeah um also, uh, Zach McLarnon as Crow Daddy is really good. Yes. And, um... Carl Strucken. Carl Strucken, yeah. I was gonna from say, uh, Twin uh, Peaks. From Twin Peaks. I, I wanted to mention that, because... You wanted I, to have I, a David Lynch moment? Yeah. I wanted my own David Lynch moment, and then, uh... You swept the rug out from under me, as you want to do. He was also in Gerald's Game. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, go watch Gerald's Game. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Um... But yeah, Ewan McGregor's incredible in this. Yeah, he um helps. This and Train Spotting, I guess, are both like stories that deal heavily with addiction, mm-hmm. and obviously they're very different movies. And I will not touch upon Train Spotting. Basically, Ewan <laughs> McGregor should play an addict for the rest of his goddamn career. Exactly. Fuck this Obi Wan Kenobi bullshit. <laughs> Send it into a fucking hellfire. I want more Ewan McGregor as an addict. God damn it. I think this movie, like, more so than the, the Shining movie, is, like, more clearly about trauma and addiction. Mm-hmm. Again, more so like the book. More so like the book. Because uh, it's almost the entire movie is him dealing with the after effects of what happened in The Shining. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like before he copes, but uh, in the beginning he copes with it by drinking a lot. But like, obviously, the existence of this supernatural element comes back to pond him later when he has to protect Abra. Mm-hmm. Did you notice? Um, actually, we'll talk about that later because mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to go into. Actually, let's go into it now. I kind of want to talk about the fan service mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel about it? Mostly good. Okay. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the visual stuff was like really cool. I think by the end, it could have gone a lot worse than it than it ended up doing when they go back to the Overlook. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Um, um, they definitely like set it up as much more of a supernatural thing than psychological because like the chandeliers start lighting up when Danny enters. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, well, it's ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think... Um, it definitely recontextualizes Kubrick's movie in that. In that sense. Yeah, it does more like... If, if, if you do take this as a direct continu- uh, continuity, it like... It definitely recontextualizes shit. Yeah. Um, and that's why I almost say like you have to look at them differently. Yeah. Because they're, they're, if they ju- there's just not a lot of like thematic context- connective tissue with them. Mm-hmm. But as separate pieces, obviously, they work really well. But uh, I, did, I do think at the end, like... I don't know... Uh, it wasn't as bad as the beginning, because I think the beginning drags quite a bit, mm-hmm. and it does kind of get mired in uh, its own relationship to The Shining. The end is much better in that sense, but like I still think that it does drag a little a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, think the, I think the scene in the labyrinth, though, is really fucking cool. Yes. Uh, and the whole concept of Ewan McGregor locking the ghosts away in the, in the chests, also extremely cool. And also there's some good uh, thematic to that too yeah yeah i guess like themes of like repression or yeah. repressing repressing trauma, trauma. The, repressing trauma and uh bad memories bad memories and storing it away mm-hmm. and finding ways to cope with them okay so i thought that the fan service was mostly fine yeah um there was a couple of things where i just kind of went oh come the fuck on we didn't have to do this oh right you mentioned uh what... i did um it was the scene where Ewan McGregor and the leader of the AA group, played by Bruce Greenwood, are mm-hmm. talking. They're in the exact same fucking room. Yeah. That... <laughs> that, um... Jack Nicholson had the interview in. Yeah, Allman. that Jack and Allman had the interview in. And, like, fuck! Like, that did not That did not need there. to be there. They're on opposite ends come of the on. fucking country. Like, come on. You know, that, like, give me a fucking break. That was pretty gratuitous. Um... But other than that, like, it was Like, fun. most of the fan service mostly just, you know, adds to the plot, if yeah. anything. Like, I thought, I kind of thought I would hate, like, when they brought back, like, Jack. Because they bring him back. Obviously, he's not played by Jack Nicholson, because Jack Nicholson's fucking 90, or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, it's... They actually brought ba- brought an actor named Henry Thomas, mm-hmm. who is the little kid from E.T. Yes! I was gonna say, uh, Henry Thomas was also in a bunch of uh, Mike Flanagan's other films. Mm-hmm. He played the hot priest in um, Ouija Origin of Evil and awesome. the abusive rapist dad in uh, Gerald's Game. Mm. And, like, he's barely in the movie, in this movie. He's but, in it for, like, two minutes. Yeah, but he actually... I mean, he's no Jack Nicholson, but he he, he carries the torch well enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. And even his appearance, like, I thought I would hate that shit. Because, like, how do you, how do you come back from that? But... For what it's worth, it actually adds to the movie quite a bit. Yeah. It works really I, well. I mean, and 
At least they didn't do some, like, fucking stunt casting or, like, CGI Jack Nicholson in. That would be fucking awful. Like, imagine, like, the stunt casting I'm thinking of is, like, imagine if they got, like, fucking Danny Lloyd to come back to play Jack. Ugh. Yeah, that would be awful. I don't think Danny Lloyd, like, even does anything. Like, No, he no, did, I mean, like, one other movie after The Shining and then, he's, and then he basically stopped acting. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. It's, uh, at this point, like, the, knowing child stars, like, it's probably, it probably is, like, a net positive that they just call it quits early. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's living off those shining royalties and he's happy. Although he does make a, a cameo in this movie as, uh, Bradley Trevor's father, like Jacob Tremblay's father. I oh! I don't remember him actually appearing in the movie, though. Oh, I didn't even know that. Okay, yeah. cool. Oh, I'm just reading this from the Wikipedia page, but apparently Danny Wood is a school teacher now. Yeah. Um, but what they were at, the filmmakers were asked why they didn't, like, offer Jack Nicholson a role, like, mm -hmm. to return, and, um... Trevor Macy, one of the producers, said, uh, with Jack, I knew that they approached him for Ready Player One and that he seems to be very serious about being retired. Mm. So they, it sounds like they would have been uh, interested, but Flanagan also admitted that I didn't know that would really work. And I think that... that is I think it was for the better. Yeah. I think it would have been too distracting, honestly. And again, it's like, let's not CGI Jack Nicholson down to whatever age he was 40 years ago. Mm. You know, because he's now 100. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we mention Jack Nicholson and his age, it just gets progressively older. <laughs> so, like, at the end of this episode, we're going to say he's, like, 30,000 years old. <laughs> 150 years old. Like, um, and he's not incredibly old, either. He's no, what? he's probably in his 70s at this point. Uh, I would say 80s. He is 82. Oh, shit. Quick, get him in another movie. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Um, oh, we weren't far off with 90. <laughs> I guess not, no. Yeah, it could have been worse. Mm -hmm. It could have been a lot worse. Mm -hmm. And thankfully it wasn't. It yeah. was actually okay. Yeah. One thing I noticed, uh, and it didn't really, this isn't a bad, it just, it, this isn't bad or anything, it just kind of distracted me, was um, they also recast Wendy as yeah. Alex Esso. And, uh, like, she, she does fine. Like, I have no real complaints with her. But, like, she also copies Shelley Duvall's, like, her voice cadence a mm -hmm. lot from the first movie. Which I thought was neat. Yeah. And that's my only thought on that, actually. Yeah, and they also didn't use any archive footage from The Shining. They no, reconstructed they everything. Yeah. Which I'm kind of impressed with. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> Like, okay credit where it. credit's due. I actually think that's really cool because it kind of just adds to, like, you know, like, the deterioration of memory over time. Like, how we... I don't know if you have anything more to say about, like, how this movie deals with trauma. I think it's really interesting how it deals with trauma, again, with, like, the chests and the hedge maze, mm -hmm. and I think just, even the opening scene with Danny as a kid. Yeah. Um, I thought it was absolutely fucking weird at first that they brought back Dick Halloran. Yeah, I was very confused about that. Like, I, I know this movie, like, retconned some shit, but did they retcon that much? And then, no, oh no, he's a, he's a, he's a ghost. Yeah, he's a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh... That guy's uh, Carl Lumbly, and he does, he does really well. Yeah, he I, does really well. Yeah, they kind of played down the more um, exaggerated aspects of Dick's character. Yeah, from the first movie, and but he he's very solid. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, it also does the movie itself does like a very good depiction of like how of like the struggle with trauma, especially when compounded with addiction. Well, yeah, where it's like Danny is very much like 
one step forward, two steps back sometimes. Well, especially with, like, alcoholism, too, because alcohol is a depressant, right? And yeah, exactly. And how it just kind of makes the trauma worse for him. Mm-hmm. Like, and, how he's st- and there's also that, like, hereditary thing as well, where, like, he's starting to kind of fall slowly into the slope that his dad fell into. Yeah. And there's kind of that fear there as well, and that that's really personified at the end. Mm-hmm. That he, he does look up to his dad, kind of. In but like, it's extremely complicated. It's extremely complicated, and he and it's clear that he's scared of turning into his father. Yeah, and I I think they did a really good job with that. Mm. I I kind of do want to talk about the ending a little bit. Okay. Um, because I really I really liked how okay. So from what I've heard about the end of Doctor Sleep, a book I've only read like twenty pages of so far, it sounds pretty awful. It sounds fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that they basically, basically what it seems like they kind of did in the last half of the movie was just readapt The Shining. Mm-hmm. And I'm completely okay with that. Yeah. Because I'd rather them basically take, like, the aspects of The Shining that weren't brought to the screen and just kind of redo it in a way mm-hmm. that still feels kind of fresh. Because, yeah. like, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people haven't read the book. Because mm-hmm. who reads anymore? Mm-hmm. Go off, King. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, it, bitch. We do live in a society. Thanks, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, but I thought what was so um, was so interesting about doing that was, yeah, like, I mean, a lot of people haven't read the book, so of course it's good that, you know, we go back and we revisit it, and we almost, in a sense, readapt it in the last half of the movie. Because, yeah, like, the ending of Doctor Sleep, like, the movie, closely resembles the end of The Shining Book. Right. And I, I thought that was really cool, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And I'm glad that they didn't just go with Jack Torrance teams up with Danny and fights off Rose the Hat because mm-hmm. that's what I that's how I heard it ends. If I'm wrong, please let me know in the comments. So we don't get comments. Mm. <laughs> no, we don't. Talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we are, you know, right, then uh, God, I can't wait to finish this shitty fucking book. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a disaster. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, no, like, I, I thought that was a really cool aspect that I kind of enjoyed, was mm-hmm. that the last half kind of feels more like a reimagining of The Shining. Yeah, it kind from, of does. Strictly from, like, the book's perspective. Like, like I said, this this definitely feels like Stephen King is, like, kind of making amends with Kubrick, in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. Or not so much making amends, but just, like, finally going, like, I have the upper hand, bitch. It's been weird, actually, seeing um, the stanley kubrick twitter page promoting this movie that's so fucking weird it's so fucking weird because he would probably hate it <laughs> i don't think he'd be a fan no like <laughs> i i honestly i don't think steve i don't think stanley kubrick would hate it mm. i don't think he'd be petty about it because i feel like if you were to hate it he it would be for petty reasons mm-hmm. i feel like he'd probably and he'd probably think it's fine he just probably would have done it differently yeah but again i'm also assuming what a dead man would think that i've never met before yeah yeah um i would hope that he would think it's okay because mm-hmm. like i don't think it's that bad but yeah like it's been weird seeing like the stanley kubrick twitter page going go see dr sleep in theaters now and it's like i don't know how stanley kubrick would feel about this movie to be completely honest with yeah. you i would hope he'd like it but i'm not 100 percent sure in conclusion twitter is the hell site yeah in conclusion twitter is bad for you um, before we uh, call it a day, I want to. Uh, my uh, I just wanted to quickly mention my, like two of my favorite scenes in the movie, which sure. is where um, Danny is like working as an orderly, and he puts two of the uh, two of the hospice patients to sleep. Oh yeah, we completely skipped over that. <laughs> yeah, like so. Um, 
when Danny's job in the small town is as, at an orderly in a, as an orderly in a hospice, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the cat the cat there, and I assume the cat has some sort of shining ability too, but it, or animal instinct or whatever, can, can like sense when people are dying, mm-hmm. and it wants to go and be in their room and curl up with them. Yeah, which it, cute cat too, a plus cat. Hey, good a for pl- you. A plus cat usage. Uh, no, and it doesn't die, which is better than most horror movies. Doctor Sleep, best horror movie of all time. Um, shut the fuck up, <laughs> stupid asshole. That would be The Shining. Fuck you. Uh, but yeah. Um, and then when Ewan McGregor at Danny, when Danny goes in the room, he tries to comfort the the patient, and he's able to do so using The Shining, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are two. Like, those are my two favorite scenes. He does this twice, and those are my two favorite scenes in the movie, I think. Oh, for sure. They're incredible. Yeah. I think those scenes and the Jacob Tremblay scene are my favorites. Yeah. Oh, the the Jacob Um, Tremblay scene is great just for how viscerally horrifying it is. I I also forgot to mention, like, the the chemistry between uh, Danny and his friend that he makes in the small town. I forget his name. Uh, His name's Billy. He's played... Billy Freeman. He's played by Cliff Curtis. Oh, okay. He's he's great in the movie, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think the chemistry between McGregor and Curtis is incredible. Mm-hmm. He played uh, Travis Manawa in Fear the Walking Dead. A show I, that I don't watch. I, nor do I. But uh, he's from New Zealand. How cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess we'll just quickly reiterate recommendations. Yes, for me, I really liked it. Um, it's 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 kind of cool to see that a sequel to a Kubrick movie works as well as it does because I know like there's the only other Kubrick sequel out there that wasn't directed by Kubrick was 2010, mm. and from what I remember of it, it's not great. Yeah, but I'm surprised that this. So I'm really surprised that this worked as well as it did. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really wonderful movie about trauma. It's a movie about grief, alcoholism what it does to you having to uh, reconcile what happened in the past. Mm. And I, I think it's incredible mm. what what it does with those themes. Um, some things are stupid as shit, namely the villains that are kind of the weakest link of the movie, even though Rebe- Rebecca Ferguson does do a wonderful job playing Rose the Hat. Rose the Hat. <laughs> Rose the Hat. Yeah. I really wish that it was just a fucking CGI hat voiced by Re- Rebecca Ferguson. I kind of thought like she was actually the hat and the body was just a vessel that she was possessing. <laughs> that, that would have been kind of funny. Um, that would have been goofy as shit. But that would have been, been goofy as shit. But yeah. anyway, Rebecca Ferguson sells it. She's great. Yeah. Um, and, and like the other villain, villainous characters, like they, they sell it. Well, they I, sell it well too. They sell I mean, it well too. It's just a concept that's kind of goofy. Again, kind of cool to see Carl Strzok in in this movie, mm-hmm. especially since the first Shining was influenced by David Lynch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. Carl Strzok is known for playing the giant. Okay, okay. Yeah, Get it all out of your system, yeah. buddy. Yeah, here I am. I squealed. <laughs> that was a literal squeal, folks. It was quite pathetic. <laughs> you should have seen me when I was watching Twin Peaks: The Return. <laughs> oh, it's Fraggle. Fraggle just opened a door and Fraggle made his way just into the opened studio. a door and made his way Speaking in. Speaking of good cats, it's Fraggle. Yeah, he's such it's a good Fraggle. Boy. Telling me that I'm about to die in 20 seconds due to my throat <laughs> infection. Hold on, let me just uh, let me just kill you with my shine, please. All right, so I'll just do social media real quick. Um, since Stefan is dead, Rip. Hi, Fraggle. Hi, buddy. Go, go, go live with the dead boy. So, now that Stefan's dead, I'll just quickly do social media. So, you can follow us on Twitter at Decay Sequel. 
Um, you can check us out on Facebook. We're Sequel Decay there. Um, you're either listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Uh, we're not on YouTube yet, unfortunately. Rip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that channel's just dead. Um, hold on. I thought I heard the corpse laughing. Shut up! Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I think that's basically our social media sign-off. Good night. When my wife told me she didn't like Sequel Decay, I corrected her. <laughs> and when my daughters told me they didn't watch Sequel Decay, or listen to Sequel Decay, I corrected them too, Chris. I'm giving Fraggle a belly rub. He's really enjoying it. Good night, folks. <laughs>